So we're going to look at Psalm 14. So as I get started, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm uh, 14. And as I've shared before, that's where I am in my personal studies, is the study of the Psalms. And while studying, I realized that Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 are pretty much identical. They both speak on the depravity of man. They address the fool. They address him as, as the, wick, the wickedness that he does, that the fool does. And there are some slight differences. I'm not really going to get into those. But again, to focus on the depravity of man. But that those two Psalms, one was written, the earlier one, Psalm 14, was written about the fool within Israel. Okay, within the nation of Israel. Where Psalm 53 was written about the fool or the wickedness that came from outside of Israel. In other words, Israel's enemies. So that's really the only difference. The, the main common denominator is how, really, how evil man can actually be. So, we can't be certain of the occasion of when Psalm 14 was written. Okay? But Paul quotes it in Romans 3.10 where he says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And it is mentioned twice in Scripture, like I said, almost word for word, and then referred to. So something, I think, of importance, God has said it multiple times, uh, almost exactly the same. So something that we really have to consider. And the way I was considering this is not that we beat ourselves down on how depraved that we are, okay? But even, right, these are psalms of worship, of song, so even that we understand who we are, as we go into the presence of God. Even today, as we go into the sanctuary to hear His Word, to, to praise Him, and to lift His name up, do we really understand who we are and how privileged we truly are to, to be allowed to enter His presence, so to speak. All right? So let's open in a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll jump right into it. Father God, thank You uh, once more for today. Thank You for the opportunity, Lord God, to study and to share, Lord God, how You've open my eyes and taught me, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would, would reign in me, Lord God, that it would not be my words, my thoughts, Lord God, but again, uh, you through me, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that I'd be able to share exactly, Lord, what you've put on my heart. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we're going to read Psalm 14. Alright. The Word of God says this. The fool says there is no God to the choir master of David. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and do abominable, abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with, is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Amen. So again, this psalm, as I mentioned as well, Psalm 53, speaks of the depravity of mankind, the sinful nature 
that corrupts us and produces wickedness. 1 John 5.19 we read, We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Psalms 1-13, through 13, except for maybe I think Psalm 8, I believe, uh, were, were written, David wrote, were really complaints. Complaining to God about those that persecuted him, the enemies that came against him. But here in Psalm 14, he records that ultimately what the cause of this persecution and these people, these enemies coming against him, or again, the fool, the wickedness within Israel, all right, the trials, David concludes that because of sin nature, not only his enemies, but all men are corrupt. Right? We have that sin nature. It's called our nature. It's what comes natural. You know, we have, to, we have to remember that. That is my nature. That is your nature. It is natural for us. And, and Psalm 53, again, is, is uh, almost a, a repeat word for word of Psalm 14. Spurgeon says this about the two Psalms. I like what he says. All repetitions are not vain repetitions. We are slow to learn and need line upon line. Assuming that Psalm 53, again, was written by David late in life, and that he had written Psalm 14 earlier, Spurgeon said, David, after a long life, found men no better than they were in his youth. Holy writ never repeats itself needlessly. Therefore, there is good cause for the second copy of this psalm. Again, making a point by the numbering of these psalms, he noted, in our age, excuse me, if our age has advanced from 14 to 53, we shall find the doctrine of this psalm more evident today than we would have in our youth. So just to sum up the, the two psalms, all right, again, all the world is guilty before God. The seriousness it talks about the seriousness of man's depravity. And the nature of man is not to seek after a holy God. It's not natural for us to do that. Man does not act in godly wisdom. Again, on his own. The fool will be rejected by God and not experience salvation. So Psalm 14 introduces us to the fool, as we read in verse 1. The fool, who in other words, may be referred to really as an atheist. Okay? How many of you heard the, ther- the, the term practical atheism? Yeah. Alright? Now, here, here's the definition. Practical atheism. The view that one should live their life with disregard towards a God. Practical atheism does not reject or accept claims about God. So we can, what we can say is that a practical atheist is the person who ignores, all right, ignores the existence of God. I, it's, I broke it up into two sections, this, this song. The first section is the fool's character, verses 1 through 4, or again, the, the character of the practical atheist. And the second section is the fool's fate. That's verses 5 through 7. So, dealing with the first section, verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed 
abominable deeds. All right? Ecclesiastes 2.14 says, The wise man's eyes are in his head. Okay? Again, what, what's it, what else is in our head? Our minds. Okay? So the wise man's eyes are in his head. So when we see things, we need to all right, consider it. We need to use our minds. All right? Not just look at something and, and look at it at face value. So Ecclesiastes, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Again, which means not to walk in the light of what? God's instructions. We learned about that last week as Pastor preached in Ephesians, right? Illumination of God's word, the revelation of God's word that we have been given that power, that ability, that understanding. So again, it's the person who chooses not to, all right? Who does not walk in the light of God's instructions. It says in that verse, there is no God. What I found interesting is what will help me understand it a little bit more was that phrase, there is no God, is one Hebrew word that translated is no God for me. No God for me. So again, the fool, the practical atheist, the wicked one, does not reject or accept claims about God, but is a person who ignores the existence of God. Right, it's when someone says, well, no God for me. I'm not saying there is no God, I'm just, he's not for me. Right? Uh, the fool is a person who cannot doubt the being of God. Right? He cannot doubt the being of God, but he will, or they will, question his dominion, right? his authority. Right? Matthew Henry in his commentary says it this way, he cannot satisfy himself that there is none but just, just follow me. He gets it, 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 the way the way it's written. All right, I'm going to start again. He cannot satisfy himself that there is none, but he wishes there was none, and pleases himself with the notion that it is possible there may be none. He cannot be sure there is one, and therefore he's willing to think that there is none. He dares not speak it out, lest he become convinced but he whispers it secretly in his heart for the silencing of the clamors of his conscience and the emboldening of himself in his evil ways. Again, making that choice, denying, right, ignoring, really, God. Ignoring God and not, any, not even speaking it to himself in his heart because he's afraid he might be convinced. Right? He might be, get convicted. All right? So a person who proclaims there are an atheist uh, isn't a person who hasn't been told about God or someone who hasn't uh, heard the gospel uh, or even shown uh, the evidence of God. He or she has in fact witnessed the evidence of God and Paul tells us that in Romans, right? And, and they've chosen to say, I know God exists, but I am not for him. No God for me, right? That's, that's pretty heavy stuff. The name fool, all right, and the reason I say it's, it's pretty heavy is that I don't think the name fool is reserved for unbelievers, I believe at times we can be foolish, if we be honest. All right? I think we can ignore or disobey God at times in our life, taking on that characteristic, let's say, uh, of the atheist. All right? I, when, I, when, I, when I was thinking about this, I immediately thought of Jonah. Right? He, he, he ignored it. He ignored it. And how many times are we like that, that we ignore it, we ignore it for so long? Psalm 14 speaks again to the depravity of all mankind. 
right? Not just people outside the church. Again, this is speaking of people in the church that, that David is addressing. So as we continue to look at the fool's character, let's not fool ourselves into believing this can't be us. There are times in my life when I can substitute my name for, for the word fool in that song, right? where I put myself on the throne of Christ in my heart, where it's all about me. I choose self over Christ reigning in me. You see, because the one who says there is no God or no God for me, again, is ignoring God. And as followers of Christ, we do have moments during our sanctification journey that we can do the same thing. Again, we say, we say in our hearts, no God for me. I'm doing what I want, even though it's not what God is telling me to do. Or I've decided to do this without any counsel or consideration of what God says. And I'm just, I'm just going to do what I want to do, regardless of what he says. In that first verse, it says that the fool is corrupt. All right? Can someone, can someone take a stab? I know we're short on time, but corrupt. What does corrupt mean? Just real quick. Bent towards evil. Bent towards evil. All right? A lack of morality. All right? That bent towards evil. And if you look at it, that word corrupt there also infers something that's become ruined. Something that is spoiled. Something that has become not what it should be. Right? Isn't that what sin does to man? And does to us. Amen? Again, I don't want to be your... This, 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 we end on a good note. Right? I don't want to beat you up. Right? So we're going to end on a good note. So man... We are corrupted by sin, right? In a sense, we're like spoiled goods because that's our nature. But salvation has come, amen? We have God's Spirit. We learned last week, amen? All right? And we've been restored. And then we will be restored one day. God detests what the foolish one does, what the evil one does, what they do, even how they live. talks about, again, the abominable deeds all right, that they do, the wickedness that they do. The fool has become corrupt from committing deeds which God detests. They are incapable of righteous good. All people are incapable of this perfect good. People can be relatively good. Only Christ provides perfect goodness in which we are justified. To do good, our motives must always be governed by a desire to honor God. Amen? But we know that that's impossible. And Scripture affirms that. Again, in Ecclesiastes 7.20, we read, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. That's you and me. Amen? It is possible a believer who, the, a believer who has been uh, corrupted by sin, right? we have that sin nature, you know, that we can fool ourselves at times into believing that we are serving God. Right? But in fact, what we're doing does not actually please God. That's why God says there is no one who does good. Again, it's when we do things apart from God. We are incapable of having the desire to honor God continually, 24-7. Right? We are enabled, again, by His Word and His Spirit, and the times we do that, when we seek Him and we 
follow his will. But let's be honest, there's times that we choose me. You know? Verse 2, the, ver- the, the Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So again, to see. It's not like God is, ooh, let me, let me see if I can find anyone. Right? It's not like he's looking, like John, where he says, oh, like he parts the clouds and looks. Right? He's not, that's not what he's doing. God is not looking for someone. This verse here simply speaks of God's omniscience. He is fully aware and knowledgeable of who is doing what, when, and where. Okay? He wants to, he, if there are any who understand, again, those who walk in godly wisdom. Those who seek, is, he says, after God. Again, actively seeking God. Again, it's not our, our nature to actively seek God. Our nature is to seek self. So that's what it says in verse 2. Brings us to verse 3. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. Again, the fool, the practical atheist, who has chosen to ignore God when confronted with the living God, it says has chosen to turn aside. Right? To turn aside. To turn aside... It's telling us that when we change direction, when we move away from God, literally when we turn away or depart or withdraw, right? Could this be, and this is a thought I have, could this be me at times? Maybe ask yourself, could this be me at times? Could we be considered practical atheists at times? I think it's fair to say yes. And I think we need to remember that. But also at the same time, recognize God's patience with us and His grace. After all, Paul did. In Romans chapter 7, verse 19 and 20, Paul writes, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So, Paul struggled with it. We struggle with it. Man is always going to struggle with it. But again, praise God by His grace, we are not slave to it any longer. Amen? Verse 4, do, do, this is the, the last verse about the characteristics of the fool. Do all the workers of wickedness not know who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? Here and throughout the Bible, the wicked are referred to as the workers of iniquity. There's other, other parts in the Bible use the same uh, wording. Again, meaning that workers of iniquity, what that means is that people who plan to disobey, they design ways to disobey, to avoid, alright, obeying the Lord. Perhaps even attempting to justify what they do, or what they will do, alright, in order to not obey God's word. I would hope that's none of us. It says in that verse to, you know, it says, those who eat my people. Again, the wicked hate, or the people are, the the wicked are truly against God's people. Right? 2 Timothy 3.12 says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that persecution comes from those who don't know the Lord. Sometimes it comes from within the body, mm. unfortunately. But that's the, that's the fact. It's true. 
So the wicked hate God's people. They are against God's people. What it's saying is that they eat them. They don't even consider their welfare for one minute. May that never happen in the church. The wicked, what it's speaking of is that the wicked devour the weak for their own gain, for their own good. The poor suffer as they grow stronger. We've all heard of a dog-eat-dog world, right? If you've been out in corporate, you've been out, you know, you work in a job, especially if you're younger, you want to move up, you want to make more money, you want to, you know, provide for your family. It can be a dog-eat-dog world. It's all about me. What, what can I do? At the, and it, sometimes it can come at the expense of others. We can be ruthless people. We can really be ruthless people. Right? And we even see that in God's Word, where, where everything is about my uh, personal benefit, and it's at the expense of others without any remorse. I mean, look, just what comes to mind is think about what, what Joseph's brothers did to him. Right? Right, they didn't like him too much. They threw him in a pit. Says, "Oh, well, we can make some money off of him." All right. So again, no concern for him. It was all about them, about their comfort and their gain. It's, it says in verse four that they do not call upon the Lord. Again, the, the, we said that they don't even consider God. They don't even pray to God. They don't even ask God. Why? As I, th- I think also as as the Matthew Henry commentary said, that if they were even to take a moment and whisper it in their hearts, that they would be convicted, all right, and then have to obey it. But they're choosing to ignore it. Right? Avoiding it. Again, this may be a char- characteristic, these are maybe characteristics that you and I share at times. Again, failing to call upon God. And what, what I mean by that is that we pray. That we don't take the time and pray. We consider things in our own wisdom and not consider God and His Word at all. So again, real quick, those are some characteristics. But now, the fool's fate. The fool's fate in verses 5 through 7. In, uh, in verses 5 and 6, we read, There they are in great dread. For God is with the righteous generation. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Those who plotted against God's people and used them for their own benefit. That's what it's, he's, he's mentioning there. They walked all over them that they would be shamed. All right? This will be the fate of those who reject God, that one day God will reject them. Again, God's promise to us is not to forsake us. Amen? And He will, in His time, dispense His justice upon all those who have persecuted us, oppressed us, abused us, taken advantage of us. In God's time. God says, right, vengeance is mine. And in, in, verse, in verse 6, again, I'll read it again. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Again, many attempt to frustrate the plans of the righteous of Christ's church. But God's people, we find help. Amen? We find strength. We find the courage. 
all that we need in the Lord who will protect and will fight for us. Amen? Jesus says, right, you, you will have trials. You will have tribulation. But fear not, I have overcome. Amen? Psalm 9.9 tells us, The Lord also will be a stronghold for you that pressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. Psalm 40.17 Since I am afflicted and needy, let the Lord be mindful of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. In Psalm 14, verse 6, God says, well, the psalmist writes, that you would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted. Again, those who, sh- who sought to shame, who sought to oppress, all right, will one day be put to shame by God right, at the final judgment. What they, what, what they, what the fool, the wicked intends for evil, at times God may intend for our good. Well, for his good, for his glory. Amen. Again, as Joseph said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in the order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Acts 22, Acts 2, 22 and 20 through 24. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miraculous and wondrous and signs, with which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So at that time, even in that time, God put to shame all right, what, what they did to Christ, or what they thought they were accomplishing. Right? He defeated death. <clears throat> death was not the end. And it's not the end for us. And in verse 7 of Psalm 14, it says, Oh, the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion, When the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will rejoice, Israel will be glad. Amen. So at times we can play the fool, right? If we're honest. We also live among those who say, no God for me. That's just their, how they live. They don't, they're ignoring God. We live in a world and in a time where sin is accepted. The people are doing what is right in their own eyes. Amen? We see that more and more. If you, if, if, if you want to sicken yourself and watch the news, it's like, how, how is this even happening? Right? How, how is this happening? Maybe we look in shock at those who practice lawlessness, or maybe they, that makes us angry. I did until I realized I too was once like them. And at times, I can't still be. Amen? Again, if we be honest. But we can rejoice, right? We know that we are citizens of heaven. That we are Christ adopted, redeemed children of God. Alright? This is not our home. In the midst of evil and chaos, we can look to our salvation, Jesus Christ. Right? To our Redeemer. Right? 
That's something the fool will never experience. Our salvation, it said in verse 7, will restore us. Right? What that actually means is to restore the fortunes of His people. Again, redemption will be complete. will be in the presence of God for all eternity. That is the complete restoration, redemption fulfilled. And it says, the Lord restores His captive people. Really, that's, that's talking about the, the persecuted church. All right? Those of us, when we're oppressed... All right? When the wicked will ultimately be shamed, the hardships and difficulties that we experience, okay, eventually we will be delivered from. And that hatred will end. So I want to, clo- I want to close with this. Because we have a faithful, sovereign, providential God whom we can trust, it brings my thoughts to, again, a familiar verse we hear Pastor Uh, Quote all the time, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Not that we rejoice in that in a way that's, oh, they're going to get theirs. But that, as God said, he is just. Vengeance is his. It's not ours. That we don't have to worry about it. We, have, we don't have to be concerned with that. Or what's going to happen with theirs. I shouldn't be saying, oh, they're going to get it. You know, again, in my sin nature, sometimes I might, I might think that. But I have to dismiss that. All right? Because God is everlasting. So again, I'm sure there have been times in your life just as mine... All right, that we may not act in godly wisdom, we act in our own wisdom, or maybe once in a while we know exactly what God would have us do, but we don't do exactly what He says. Mm-hmm. All right. I am also quite certain that you, like me, have at times even kind of drifted away uh, from God. All right, it's really just going about our daily lives and f- really forgetting about Him. Um, maybe a little less reading maybe a little less praying, and before you know, we're kind of over here somewhere. Again, acting in our own wisdom and not considering the ways of God. Not being sensitive, not being alert, not being you know, disciplined, for lack of a better word, but we have to, we have to put in that effort, all right, to, 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 to be, all right, conscious of who God is and who we are in Him. It's not uncommon for the child of God, again, us, the church, to take on some of these characteristics at times and say that there is no God for me. But there are ways we can avoid it. And I just want to share three scriptures and we're done. Hebrews 12.3 For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Because this life is hard. Amen? This life is difficult. Isaiah 40, 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will. It says they will, not they might. But you will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not get tired. You will walk and not become angry. Amen? We, le- we learned last week about you know, growing in the wisdom and revelation 
of who God is. And I think Pastor says, um, why would we be asking for something that we already have? And again, we mentioned a community group and that we go deeper, that we would grow more in who God is and who we are in Christ. All right? And finally, Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So again, just the, the, simple, the simple reminder of don't forget who we really are apart from God. Don't forget where he brought us from. And remember who we are now. Because we're not that anymore. We don't, we don't go there and, and kind of sulk. All right? But we give God the glory. Because I know what he brought me out from. And we all have a different story. But the bottom line is we were concerned with self and not him. But he's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us his salvation. That now we can understand and, 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 and really grow in the richness of his word. Just like, like Spurgeon said about the writing of those two Psalms, 14 and 53. That as, as we go through the sanctification walk, that what, what's, what we once believed, even about the depravity of man, that we would grow in a, in a better understanding and a deeper understanding of that as we walk this walk in a way that fans a flame inside us, all right, a desiring us to pursue him. Amen? And, and, and to know that's not what I once was, that I am a new creation. And now I have the ability, I've been equipped, all right, Again, we begin everything. We begin ever. We've been given everything for life and godliness. Amen? Amen. That's the best way to sum it up. Let's pray. My Father, my God, thank you again for this time. I especially thank you for the time you gave me to study. Again, the time was limited, but it was your time that you appointed. And I trust, Lord God, that your Spirit will do only what it can do and speak to hearts in this room. Father, be with us as we go into the sanctuary now. And we hear your word and worship you in praise. In Jesus' name we pray.